Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. A picture is worth a thousand words. And in the Old Testament, God gave us many pictures. Today, we're continuing the life study of kings. And in the life study of kings, we are seeing the picture of God's economy through the history books, the books of history. This is Matt Miller filling in today for Chris Wilde. And Ron Kangas has joined me for this special program that we'll hope you'll stay with us for. Ron, thanks for joining me. And thanks for having me, as usual. Ron, we've been uh, covering this matter of this section in the book of Kings. We're actually today on the portion of Second Kings 21 through 23. But when Witness Lee got to this portion of his life study, he's been very burden to talk about God's economy and the picture of that from the Old Testament. So I wonder if you could give our listeners a little introduction before we go to Witness Lee. I think it's a good idea that we comment on this and uh, maybe even address some questions or concerns. Uh, Witness Lee always took the record of the Bible at face value, respecting the scriptures as God breathed in their entirety, trusting in the reliability of the historical record. But he had a burden in his ministry, and he was faithful to his burden. And in the life study, in this case of First and Second Kings, the underlying and prevailing burden was to connect the history to God's economy we may say in two ways. One way is the way of typology, using the pictures afforded by various persons and situations to portray God's economy. The other is to show the connection, more or less prophetically, between certain historical developments such as with David desiring to build a house for the Lord and the word of the prophet that God would build David a house and then there would issue forth a seed and that seed would be called God's son. So you have a prophetic line embedded in the historical record that points to the coming Christ. 
So we don't make any apology for this approach. We believe that our listeners will be much more edified by receiving ministry on God's economy than simply being subject to a rehearsal of so many historical facts that they can readily read for themselves. So this is the perspective, especially in this cluster of messages. After reviewing the relevant historical data, the names, identities, activities of the kings, Brother Lee would return again and again to his burden on how the history in the Old Testament is vitally related to God's economy. So we just let our listeners know what you'll hear in this broadcast based on ministry on First and Second Kings is actually little concerning the kings and much concerning the king, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Jesus Christ, the center of God's economy, and of his intention to have a corporate expression of himself. This is part of who we are and what our ministry is. In the life study, we are burdened to show how the Bible, as a book of life, is a book that has as its central thought God's economy, that is God's arrangement to dispense himself in Christ into us in order to make us his corporate expression. The church, which is the body of Christ, consummating in the new Jerusalem. This is our burden. This is our ministry. Ron, thanks for that opening word. I appreciate it. And I've got a lot of feeling I'd like to respond to, but I think I'll hold my response for later in the program. And let's go to Witness Lee now for the first section of today's program. The history in the Old Testament is put into the Holy Scriptures among the 66 books because it give us a very vivid view of God's economy. But to see this is not so easy. Just like here is a tree. You see its outward branches and also the trunk. It's really hard for you to see the essence. Today, the essence of the plants are seen by the medicine manufacturers. They see the essence. When the essence is here, it is no more just a tree, but the medicine. Can you see this? Here is a history like a tree. You can see, ah, the first one of the king was David, and this and that, this and that, and Hezekiah was quite good, then Ahab was too evil, and this. You could see this, but this is nothing. Just like the leaves of the tree. We, as the students of the Bible, we have to get the essence. In this history, Maya, David wanted to build 
the temple for God. He thought that was a wonderful thing. I'm a man according to God's heart. I like to please him. According to my knowledge, he does like to have a dwelling on this earth. So I want to make it for him. But right away, Nathan came. The prophet of God came to stop him. David, Jehovah is telling you, you don't need to do that. He doesn't need it. But rather, he likes you to know that you need God's building. The house God built for David will have a seed. That seed eventually will be called God's son. And eventually, ah, we understand. If we know the whole Bible, and then we know the answer, oh, now I'm clear. Well, Ron, I appreciated Witness Lee's reference to knowing the whole Bible to get clear about God's essence in the Old Testament. There was a tree there, there was trunks there with all the history, but what was the essence of what God was trying to say in the story of the kings? Well, by Witness Lee referring to the New Testament fulfillment, we see, oh, now we're clear. We're clear what the real essence of the scriptures are, what God's economy is. I think you referred this a little bit to this reference in your introductory word, but I'm going to hand you the microphone and ask you to maybe continue it right now. As you were uh, just sharing that point, I was reminded that here, uh, Brother Lee is speaking of David's desire to build the Lord a house, God's intervening through the prophet and saying, no, you need me to build you a house. Then he speaks of the seed of David becoming God's son. Well, historically, in the sense of immediacy, the seed of David was Solomon who built the temple as God's house instead of David building it. But in prophetic and typological significance, the seed of David is Christ. He's called the son of David. But my point here is that in Genesis 3, After the fall, God prophesied concerning the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head and in turn, of course, be bruised by the serpent. That seed of the woman is Christ. This indicates that the Old Testament in its history will eventually culminate with Christ as the seed of the woman Then in Genesis, we have the prophecies concerning the seed of Abraham. Paul refers to this strongly in Galatians 3. That seed is Christ. Now we have advanced in the history to the time of David. David will have a seed, not only Solomon, but Christ, who's the son of David. My point here is that there is a line running through the Bible that is bringing us to Christ. We shouldn't lose sight of this line when we're studying the details of First and Second Kings. What is going on here intrinsically is that there is a historical development such that the seed will be born. 
And Christ will be born not only to accomplish redemption, but to carry out God's eternal economy to have the church as his corporate expression. Thus, it is not arbitrary to go deeply under the surface of the text and see that at the core of the historical narrative is this line of development concerning Christ as the seed and Christ as the goal of history and Christ as the fulfillment of the promises in the Old Testament. We should never lose sight of Christ. Elsewhere in the ministry on the historical books, Brother Lee would show the parallels with Isaiah 9-6 and Isaiah chapter 7 on the prophecy concerning Emmanuel. We have to remember that the prophets were interwoven with the history and prophesying concerning the coming of Christ. It is this focus on Christ and knowing Christ in God's economy that enabled Brother Lee and us to touch the intrinsic significance of the books of history, which is that the history is the stage or the setting for the outworking of God's economy according to the desire of God's heart. Well, Ron, I uh, appreciated your word, and as you were speaking, it reminded me of something I heard a theologian say once after he read some of our books. He said, well, you guys are Christ-centric. You see Christ in everything, and I think if there's anything you want to say about us, that's not bad. I received a letter from a highly regarded theological educator who had been the president of a prestigious seminary. I had given him a copy of the New Testament recovery version, and he wrote me this letter saying not only that he was using the recovery version for his devotions, but listen to this. He said, I appreciate its high Christology. Christ-centered, Christ-centric, high Christology. Right. Any way you look at it, I appreciate that. Because the life study is really a study of the life that's in Christ. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, the life is in the Son. We can't have a life study without having a Christ study, and we can't have a life or Christ study without a God's economy study. Praise the Lord that what we have in this ministry is a life Christ economy study of the Bible. Well, Ron, it it eventually leads to our experience of Christ, and that's where the next two sections are going to go. So we need to get to section two so we conclude with section three in our experience. So let's go to section two right now. Christ was God becoming a seed of David. This indicates God himself becoming something human. The very divine one became a seed of a man. This seed eventually is Jesus. In Genesis, we have God. In Matthew 1, we have Jesus. Jesus is here. The God-man is here. Hallelujah. But what this God-man did, this God-man enter into death. He was crucified. In these days, this God-man accomplished 
three times. And in this days, he terminated all the old creation, including you and me. His death has firstly terminated us and finally redeemed us. How do you understand the death of Christ? It is altogether not a small thing to understand the real sense of the cross. This wonderful one, the God-man, Jehovah, the Savior, his death is all-inclusive. He terminated all the creation, the old creation, all old man. And he crucified Adam on the cross. Who was Adam? Adam was the creature who was created by the one who died on the cross. Yet, when this happened, this one who died on the cross was the last Adam. Have you ever understood the cross in this way? It's marvelous. So, this one who created Adam, now he put Adam to the end. He ended Adam by his crucifixion. Ron, I think this is a marvelous word and it almost speaks for itself. I don't know how much we even need to say to add to it. I wonder if we could save most of our time here for the concluding word, but I'll, I'll give you a brief moment here. I agree that we need to uh, just let this word sink in. It's a faithful word, especially concerning Christ crucified. If we are to have life, if we are to have Christ, if we are to have the economy of God as a reality, we need to realize that all this is an issue of Christ and his cross, Christ crucified. Like Paul, we would say we have determined that we would not know anything else other than Jesus Christ and this one crucified. Christ is the center of God's economy, and the cross of Christ is the center of the operation of God in his economy. Praise the Lord for Christ, and hallelujah for the cross. Let's go to the final portion and come back for a concluding word. Within Adam, there is a sinful nature. So when Adam was terminated by the cross, the sin within Adam's nature is also terminated. Not only so, and this sinful nature in Adam was just Satan himself. So when Adam's nature, sin, was terminated, Satan was also destroyed in this. So Hebrew 2.14 tells us, Christ on the cross destroyed Satan. And you have to know, Satan got the fallen people to form a world. And this world is one with Satan. John 12 tells us Satan is the prince of this world. So when the cross ended Adam, it ended the nature of sin. It ended Satan. It also ended the world. Now the old man, sin, Satan and the world all 
was ended. Thirty-one for days. Meantime, on the passive side, he released the divine life within him to dispense this divine life into all people who were chosen by God and who are redeemed by this Christ. Then all these became regenerated to have the divine life. Then he entered into resurrection. In resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit. Then where you are, you should be a person all the day long living in resurrection to be the very member of Christ. Now this Christ, he's not only the head, but the head with the body, the corporate Christ. And this is the very essence of God's economy. Well, Ron, we started out today with God's economy, the essence of God's economy, and our concluding word here today with Witness Lee was, this is the essence of God's economy. I I appreciate this process that the Lord went through and eventually the process he put us in that we're going through that we would all day long live in resurrection. And to live in resurrection, what does that mean? We have to consider this. This is actually a revolutionary thought. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we have a contrast between the first man, Adam, the second man, Christ, who is the Lord from heaven, to live just by the natural life of our soul, by our natural created human life, is to live in the old creation. It's to live the old man. There is no expression of Christ there. Christ, in passing through the processes of God's economy, after incarnation, human living, and crucifixion, entered into resurrection. And it is as the life-giving spirit in resurrection, the spirit of reality, the pneumatic Christ, that Christ enters into us. The resurrected Christ lives in us, and the goal of that living is to cause us also to live in resurrection. And this means that we by taking the way of the cross, deny our natural human life and live and walk in our regenerated spirit, which has been mingled with Christ as the life-giving spirit, to live in this spirit. And to live in the spirit is to live in resurrection. It is here that we are the new creation, It is here that we are the corporate expression of God. Paul understood this, and he demonstrated his understanding of this in Philippians chapter 3 by declaring that the goal of his pursuit of Christ was to know the power of Christ's resurrection and even to attain to what he called the out-resurrection from among the dead. This will be the resurrection of those who reign with Christ in the millennium. 
but in our experience, it refers to the process of being resurrected in our whole being so that we are constituted with Christ as our resurrection life. We live a life in resurrection. Everything we do, whether it's loving or serving the Lord, praying, praising, working to preach the gospel, everything is in resurrection. When it's in resurrection, it is in Christ, it is in the Spirit, and it is in the essence of God's economy. Well, we prayed at the beginning of this program that this particular program would be in resurrection, and I really hope the Lord could testify that this was the case today. Well, there is a sweet inner taste and sense of Christ as resurrection life, and this life always has a freshness and a newness to it, We just look to the Lord that so many seekers in the listening audience would taste and pursue Christ, the life-giving Spirit, as resurrection life. Thanks, Ron. If you'd like to get a copy of the printed message of the Life Study, you can call us at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. On behalf of Ron Kangas, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.